When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Folks, we are back. Penn State coming off of a 41 to 17 <laughs> bloodbath at Michigan last weekend. I am Nate Bauer. I'm joined by Sean Fitz today. This is the Blue White Illustrated Daily Edition for Thursday, October 20th. Fitz, I don't know if you saw that game last weekend. Penn we, State fans aren't happy. We we got actually to use the thesaurus for you use bloodbath. We used so many different ways to mention the trampling that Penn State got, um, and it was just it. We're running out of synonyms here because yeah. it was uh, it was it was really rough, and yeah. uh, there's no no question about it. And people are angry and. They should be. Uh, we talked about this a little bit before we came on. You said the the response would have been the same if Penn State lost by four again, say, like they did in 2021. I wholeheartedly disagreed with that because, yeah. you know, Penn State was was outclassed from start to finish, outcoached, out-talented, out-muscled, out. I mean, it, it a lot of it comes down, especially defensively, to gap alignment and guys in, in the spots. And it comes down – I mean, that's execution. That is exactly yeah. – what we've been sort of preaching those warts that we talked about as things that you can maybe cover up and maybe get away with it. And it's at some spots, they just all bubble to the top against Michigan. And, and, you know, there's, there's plenty of questions coming out of it. Plenty of questions for coaching staff, players, uh, new faces, old faces, one face that's been here for nine years now. And that's, yeah. uh, that's really where it, uh, where, where the blame settles. So we're going to see if they can bounce back the numbers, not great in terms of Penn state coming off of a loss and, uh, kind of uh, diminish the the excitement for the whiteout this weekend, even though it should be a pretty good game, should be a, a winnable game for Penn State. And uh, we'll see what happens on Saturday night because you you felt pretty good about this one uh, a couple of weeks ago and then all of a sudden turned that on its head against uh, against Michigan – or excuse me, turned that on its head after the game against Michigan. Yep. And then you see Minnesota coming in with a similar mindset where they're just going to try and grind you into the ground no matter what they have a quarterback. So – a lot of uh, a lot of storylines going on this weekend, and it's uh, it's turned into a, a monumental turning point of, of a season type of game. Yeah, I think I think that's a fair way to put it. Um, you know, look, there, there's there's a certain element of just waiting for the opportunity within the fan base, right? And and I'm not saying that it's right or wrong, but I do think that there is has been over the last week. Uh, something of a uh, disconnect right between what everyone's expectations were for this Penn state team this season and what's actually happening. Right. Because on paper, they're five and one Uh, on paper. They're the number 16 ranked team in the country. Uh, Those are both improvements on certainly where they finished either of the past two years. Um, I think it's just the, the matter of to your point. Yeah. Getting beat the way that they did, uh, 
gives flashbacks, right? <laughs> People are expecting now uh, this game on Saturday night against Minnesota to be a problem. Uh, and certainly the rest of the season, Ohio State after that, you know, and then who knows in November against teams that would be uh, expected to lose to, to Penn State. Um, before we get to that, though, uh, obviously the two of us were at practice on uh, Wednesday night. I'm curious if there was anything from from there, anything this week that stands out to you that you want to touch on uh, from Penn State football. Well, I know you want to talk about quarterbacks. Uh, we I were do. Last night. And, uh, of course, Sean Clifford, openly injured coming out of the Michigan game. James Franklin said as much in the post-game press conference. He was there at practice last night uh, doing some handoff drills, some pitch drills, some things like that. And then when the quarterback started to throw, a conveniently timed bathroom break, if we're, if we're being honest. Um, so did not do anything to stomp out the fire of, hey, maybe Drew Aller is going to get a shot this weekend. Um, but uh, – yeah, it was just uh, another one of those. I don't want to call it a game because I don't know his, you know, uh, his his bathroom habits. Um, so, but <laughs> another one of those things where we have more questions coming out of it last week, um, and it could have been squashed. So, I know you want to talk about quarterbacks. I'll lay the floor open back for you. Yeah, I, look, certainly people are eager to see Drew Aller. Um, you know, James Franklin was asked about it in a couple of different ways on Tuesday. First, about Sean Clifford's health, to which he said, oh, it's Tuesday and we're not going to know, right? He doesn't talk about those things anyway, but when you come off of an injury like that, because it's not what he would describe as a season-ending injury, at that point, it goes to day-to-day -day status, right? Every, every day changes potentially what Sean Clifford's status is. But the second question was the more interesting to me, which was, Franklin was asked, um, he was asked, you know, whether or not the calls to see Drew play any part, right? Like whether, whether or not that's a pivot that he would be willing to make or how he's entertaining that notion. And I'm going to paraphrase here, but I think that the, the context is, is somewhat important. He said that he didn't think that that would send the right message, uh, that, that Sean had earned the right to be on the field. And I have seen multiple interpretations of that, but I, I think that uh, I would like to at least share mine, right? Which is that earning the right to play is not about for Sean Clifford in James Franklin, in terms of what James Franklin was saying, earning the right to play about Sean Clifford is not about his prior five years at Penn State. It's about the fact that in their evaluations as a staff, Clifford remains ahead of Drew. And so it, it's not, it's not, oh, well, we're going to defer to the injured quarterback and let him make a decision as to whether or not he's going to play. It's this remains the best option in their evaluation, not my evaluation, and certainly not the evaluation of a lot of other people, uh, Penn State fans among them. But that that's kind of where it seems like this issue falls right now is it's not it's not just what Sean is. It's what is Drew. And, I, I, you know, I don't know if you have any thoughts on that about what you've seen from him so far. But certainly uh, a, a guy who has a ton of potential. Nobody, nobody would deny that. Uh, but but whether or not he's ready for a starting role 
right as an option, like as the choice to choose him as a starter, not with Sean injured. I'm just curious where you fall on that. Yeah, I think unfortunately for the offense, the healthy Sean Clifford is the one that you can do the most with. He's the one that, you know, has the most experience making the calls of the line. Then you get into the arguments. Well, where has that been? And I, I definitely yeah. agree with you on that one. I actually wrote that after the uh, after the game on Saturday. Um, but Drew is is all potential at this point, in my opinion. I mean, you you look at what he's done when he's come to the games, thrown some very nice balls, but there's there's a lot that he needs to work on to get where he needs to be as a starting quarterback that needs to handle snap after snap after snap for four quarters as opposed to just coming in for a couple of drives a game. So I, I get I totally get the the unknown is beautiful. The unknown is is something that everybody wants to see because it could be the greatest thing in the world. Right. But I, I just I don't think that we are there in terms of seeing the progress um, from Drew. Does does part of me want to see him out there as much as possible? Yes, because I, I feel the same way. You know, you the, the less you know about something, the more intrigued you are by it. And the more you've seen of four years of Sean Clifford as a starter, the more that you want to see the unknown and see, see what's going on. So I definitely can get on board with that. Um, but yeah, I think it's when talking about expectations and setting expectations for Drew Aller for possibly Saturday night or a, a game this season, there's a lot to, there's a lot to learn. There's a lot of things that he needs to make up for and, and get there. I think he's tremendously talented. I think he's tremendously bright, um, very poised, probably more, um, you know, you're going to say pro- pocket presence, all that stuff, but more poised than anybody thought that he would be yeah. as a true freshman after watching him. So love what you see, but you put it in context of, can he get that done over four quarters? Nobody's going to know that until they actually make that, that jump. And Clifford fatigue is real, man. It's, it's not just fans. It's, it's, it's you and I that we've, we've covered the same thing over and over and we're, we're not plowing new ground here with, with the Drew Aller stuff. Um, what I'd love yep. to see him. Yes. But I think it's important to remember that it's going to take, there's probably going to be some growing pains in that. Yeah. And, and uh, just, to wrap up maybe this part of the discussion, James Franklin, certainly Penn state football, certainly do not see five and one as the season being over, right? Like that's the, that's kind of what we're talking about. And I think that that was the question that he was answering is, are you willing to sacrifice to a certain extent this year? And, you know, whatever the outcomes are for the rest of the season, or at least call those more into question than you would feel otherwise, based on having felt that Clifford won the starting job or that he continues to win the starting job. Um, and and Franklin said no, <laughs> right? Like they still, they still think. Uh, him bringing up the Minnesota game in 2016 a couple of times was very purposeful. They feel very strongly that they have the ability to compete with and beat most, if not all of the teams that remain on the schedule. And so regardless of what the perception is coming out of a a shellacking the way that it was on Saturday at Michigan, that's still where they're at is they're going to, they're going to continue to try uh, to, to win games based on who they feel the personnel is that gives them the best opportunity to do so. Uh, other personnel notes uh, uh, that I think that we were paying attention to on, on Wednesday night uh, at running back, they were down to three running backs period uh, in, in uh, Nick Singleton was first Katron Allen was second and tank Smith was third uh, during the, you know, again, we saw handoff and pitch drills. Uh, 
No Kevon Lee. What did you make of that situation? The interaction after when asked about Kevon Lee was pretty icy, which, uh, you know, James is could have helped himself there and, and handled that, I think, a little bit better. But uh, Kevon was not there. Kevon, it was asked if Kevon was at class. He was not at class. That didn't, I think some people jumped to the conclusion that he's been skipping classes and things like that. That was not the way that the question was asked or answered. Right. Um, it, it was answered in a very literal notion. No, he was not here. No, he was not at class. Right. Um, no elaboration to go on that. Kevon, uh, which you could understand, you know, it, I think there's frustration there. And uh, I mean, I don't think that that's turning over a, a new rock or anything like that. You've got two freshman backs that have come in, done a good job for the most part, but Kevon um, has sort of been passed by those guys. And uh, it's got to be a frustrating situation for them. Um, you know, we can talk about next year and the offseason, things like that. I don't think anybody's looking at the role that Kevon Lee has at Penn State this year and expecting him to want to continue that role next year as his as his career progresses so that's that's for another time but uh yeah getting really thin really quick at running back no more Devin Ford of course because Holmes transferred before the season uh Kevon Lee whether he's there or not a, a bit of a mystery as well so wearing down there you can see why Penn State really wants to prioritize a running back um in the 2023 class and what's still out there but also probably going to have to kick the portal and see what's going on um in that nature but uh we probably didn't expect both freshman running backs to be at the forefront of things uh this early in the season i think kind of we expected that maybe by week eight to week 10 something like that but we're kind of at the spot where it's freshman or bust right now yeah and i think i think it's important to note uh you and i both followed up on it uh talking to people that we talked to and trying to get a little more information and I didn't come up with that with anything definitive. I don't think you did. And so it's one of those things where it should be on everyone's radar, but there, there could easily be another explanation for this. Not the first time he's missed practice when we were there this year. Correct. And he's come back and and popped up in games. Correct. And so he very well could be on the sideline for Penn state or in the game for Penn state on Saturday night. Uh, Another injury from last week uh, at Michigan, Landon Tengwall missed the game entirely due to what, Franklin described as a an injury during warmups, sustained during warmups. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I had eyes on him uh, during practice yesterday. He was there. He was at practice. He was wearing pads. Uh, you, you know, not as though the rest of the offensive line was doing anything overly physical. Um, but you know, warrants mentioning that that it did not appear to be in any type of full contact uh, participation. You know, so but again, he's one of those situations where I think that we'll see, but certainly also wasn't in the training room, wasn't, didn't disappear. He was, he was there. He's alive. He's functioning, right. <laughs> you know, so we'll see, we'll Always. see what that means for them moving forward uh, on the defensive line. Um, did you, did you note anything? Is there anything that, uh, that stood out for you um, on Wednesday night? Wednesday. Uh, before that, I mean, always good to confirm. Guys are alive. Always helpful. Um, but uh, with Tang Wall losing losing a guy, uh, losing a starting offensive lineman in your in your warmups before the game can't help. I mean, and that's not yeah. the reason Penn State lost or anything like that. But you go into it prepared to have Hunter Norzad as a starter, playing the starter share of reps. And I know they talk about they see him as a starter, they see Efner as a starter. Let's be honest, it's it's a very different mindset when you know you're taking the first snap. So 
Um, that's on Norzad to improve this week. He was not good last week against Michigan. Um, that's on him to improve this week. And, and I think with an approach of not just getting thrown into the fire like he did last week, maybe he'll have a chance to, to, to play a better game. Hopefully, for his sake, he has a chance to play a better game. Um, but, uh, yeah, uh, defensive line uh, put up some notes last night without a key piece. Uh, check those out. Um, but it's, it's going to be, you know, the same – personnel that, that, that we've grown to expect. And that's on them this week uh, with, with Minnesota's run game coming into town. Um, and it's more about physicality than, than probably, I think we came out of that game on Saturday writing about that, um, that it was, they were bullied and everything like that. And they were, don't get me wrong, but yeah, this is a group that needs to be in the right spots. And when your defensive lines in the right spots, your linebackers are clean. When your linebackers are clean, they, they tend to get in the right spots. None of that happened on Saturday. So that front seven, very much under the microscope. Minnesota has that Michigan tape. And even if they didn't have that Michigan tape, they, they take the same approach of coming right at them. Um, so that's a group this week that's that it's going to be very big for Mustafer, for Devon Ellie's probably going to play an increased role. Nick Tarburton, I think, a very important part of the game plan this weekend um, yeah. because the, the that's a guy that, that holds up against the run a little bit better than his skinnier counterparts. Uh, not that there's anything wrong with Adisa Isaac and, and Chop Robinson rushing the passer, but yeah. you're going to play the run a lot this weekend. So you need Nick Tarburton um, to, to have a very big game. Um, before we get into Minnesota, uh, it's a big weekend for basketball recruiting. And we don't say that too often. And that's, I, I didn't mean that to sound like a it's bad thing. Always, it's oh, always a big weekend. But Micah Shrewsbury bringing in some big <laughs> prospects. You were on that uh, on Friday on the site, and I know you just wrote that up uh, this week as well. Yeah. Uh, the, I'll let people read the notes. They can get into that notebook if they're subscribers. It's still a dollar. That's running out. So Tomorrow. please, please, please join if you haven't already. It, it is you know, certainly a low investment on the front end uh, for what we feel is a great value. Um, but yeah, Royce Parham is, is kind of the guy. He's what I would call the centerpiece of the weekend for Penn State recruiting. He's a guy that Penn State's been on. Um, his mom is a former Lady Lion. Uh, he, he's a top rising player out in Western Pennsylvania in the Pittsburgh area. And so Penn State's kind of been all in on him from the get-go. He was one of three initial offers for Penn State basketball for the class of 2024 uh, and, and so this like is prime time. Uh, it, it is a huge, huge deal for Penn state basketball, uh, with Royce this weekend. Uh, a couple of the other names that are worth mentioning here, Dwayne Pierce is also on an official visit. Those are the two official visitors. Uh, and then they also have a handful five or six guys who, uh, are unofficial visits, but are really uh, you know, in, in terms of the prestige in early rankings that Penn State tr traditionally or typically has on campus, uh, they, they got a collection of top 100, top 50, uh, and even in one case, a, a top 10 type of guy uh, who, who are going to be at Penn State between the classes of 2024 and 2025. So that will be a, a very big, big weekend for Penn State basketball recruiting coming off of what was, uh, you know, a, a really pretty solid class in the class of 2023, uh, headlined by Kerry Booth. Uh, before we get to Minnesota, we should uh, we should shout out our our sponsor for this week. Uh, every week, he such a great uh, partner that we have for this show. Um, if you need Ohio State stripe out, Minnesota homecoming whiteout, and Maryland uh, mil military appreciation day tickets, go to 
www.ticksmangym.com or email him directly at ticksmangym at gmail.com or you can call him 302-521-8380. Ticksman Jim has been a partner with this show uh, for for quite a while. He donates uh, proceeds from tickets to the uh, Levi Lamb Fund for athletic scholarships. Uh, he's just been, uh, you know, really kind of a mainstay on the scene of Penn State ticket exchanges uh, for quite some time. So thanks again to Tixman Jim. That uh, email address again is TixmanJim at gmail.com. You can go to his website at TixmanJim.com or you can call him again at 302-521-8380. Thanks again to Tixman Jim. With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Uh, Minnesota. Next up, Penn State gets a team that's coming off of a couple of losses, back-to-back losses. They had a bye week wedged in there. They have some injury concerns of their own. Where do you want to start? I That's a great question because this Minnesota <laughs> team, I, I was going to, think big picture but like we kind of covered that in the opener um with uh with how penn state has to bounce back how penn state has to handle all this you you look at this minnesota team very very different outcomes uh with different personnel they blasted uh michigan state 34 to 7 in east lansing Mm -hmm. um Mm -hmm. which i mean michigan state obviously a jekyll and hyde team as well Uh, then they came out lost to purdue 20 to 10 uh without mo ibrahim um i think that's very important and then they lost uh 26 14 last week had 180 yards of total offense we talked about quarterback ambiguity from penn State's side in the opener with sean clifford uh minnesota's got something on their hands uh taylor uh tanner morgan was hurt in an ugly fashion last week um came out uh, of course they did not throw the ball well when he was in there they didn't really throw the ball any better when he left um have to think he doesn't play given the 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 culture around head injuries and and gruesome type injuries like that i know that's that that's not the be all end all and we're not in uh we're not at minnesota we don't cover that game uh, day to day um, but it's, uh, you got to think that Penn state is preparing for him, but also in the back of their mind, thinking that this is going to be a situation where they might be able to get a first time starter, um, in a whiteout environment, which is pretty appetizing, uh, given what, uh, what the whiteout has, has come to do to season quarterbacks and, and new quarterbacks alike. So, but yep. regardless of that, they're going to run the football. Yep. That's, that's what they're going to do. I mean, they're, they're going <laughs> to, I mean, you, you, of all the Illinois comparisons from last year, you can bet that they're going to put that tape in 2019 Minnesota used a lot of unbalance, used an extra offensive lineman. Absolutely. They not only they should do that, but they, I think they will do that this weekend. Not much to talk about in the passing game since Chris Ottman bell, a really, really fantastic receiver um, who I believe is still in his sixth year as well. Um, he got hurt earlier this year, um, but that's, that's what they're going to get. Penn state is 
needs to be up for a physical game because Minnesota is going to try to bring it to them. They've had success in the past doing that. And all those keys that we talked about last week with Michigan in terms of stopping the run, in terms of stopping the, the cutbacks, in terms of, uh, you know, backside pursuit, all that kind of stuff. This one's on the front seven. Yeah. Yeah. I think I, it's, it's kind of interesting because obviously it all wraps together, but when you do make those comparisons to Illinois, uh, Michigan, right? You're talking about time of possession. Uh, Michigan is ninth in the country. Minnesota is fifth, right? Think about last year's Iowa game. You don't necessarily have to have a world beating quarterback to beat Penn state right now, right? Uh, because it's not frankly, the world beating quarterback, Aiden O'Connell didn't beat Penn state earlier this season. The secondary can handle its own. I think that that much has been demonstrated for the most part this season. It's just a question for Penn state of how are they going to hang against a team that is, I mean, they're James Franklin talked about it on, on Wednesday night. There's, there's no mystery to what Kirk Shiraka brings to Minnesota's offense. There's, there's no guessing about what they want to do, what they have done effectively. They're 16th in the country in rushing offense at 227 yards per game. They're 94th in passing at 214 yards per game. Uh, team passing efficiency is better. T. Frank brought that up uh, talking to him last night. They, it's not that they can't pass. They they do so effectively when they choose to do it. But uh, yeah, if they their main identity is going to be to run the ball, and it just so happens uh, that that aligns perfectly <laughs> with Penn State's biggest weakness right now uh, on the defensive side of the ball. Yeah, I mean, it, it, it comes down to alignment, execution, um, keeping those guys clean at the second level, maybe bringing Jair Brown up to be that guy that plays, you know, it's we 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 love to throw the cliche throw eight in the box okay that's great beat try and beat them with numbers we didn't see that against Michigan last week we kind of um, watched a defense that waited for Michigan to come to them and then when they did they came just barreling over them and that's yep. uh, that's what you have to avoid this week especially if you're throwing out an extra offensive line I don't, I don't think Minnesota is even going to try and hide that they're you know playing an extra tight end, playing an extra offensive lineman, things like that, because they just don't have the weapons on the outside to get it done. Their leading receiver right now, uh, Brevin Span Ford, 18 catches, 252 yards as a tight end, which, I mean, yep. James Franklin said after practice the other night that that Kirk Sharaka has an identity, and, and that's not an insult. I mean, that that is exactly what you kind of thought you were getting when you hired him for the 2020 season to reinstill some of that running game and, and things like that, and then hit some backbreakers, hit some new wrinkles and things like that and, and, and try and turn it around on you. Um, but Minnesota does what they do. They do it successfully. They've done it for a long time, minus that little uh, blip where he went to Penn State and then he went to West Virginia again. So I don't think there's anything new to cover here other than that they're going to come right at you and, and, and really try and break you. And yeah. Penn State needs to use the atmosphere. They need to use that, that, that sort of uh, that lift when we talk about home team spreads and things like that, that lift that you get from being at home. They need to hassle whoever it is at quarterback because Tanner Morgan has been in the league for six years, played a ton of football. Minnesota fans feel the same way about Tanner Morgan that Penn State fans feel about Sean Clifford. So yep. even if he does play, it doesn't change a whole heck of a lot. They threw three interceptions last week. Morgan had one of them. Um, so it, it, it's tough to... Um, I think going back to when I did this podcast with Callahan, you talk about your, your, 
your dad's Ohio State, or excuse me, your dad's Iowa, or your grandfather's Iowa. You kind of feel the same way about the way that uh, Minnesota is going to attack Penn State, and it's just a matter if they're ready for it. I mean, they yeah. obviously weren't last weekend. They obviously have some corrections to make, and I'm saying obviously now, like I'm James, it's like, but this is kind of how that um, that that all is set to play out. And Minnesota is going to try and slow the game down. They're going to try and um, you know get those first downs, get that time of possession. It's on Penn State on both sides of the ball to increase their own time of possession. I'm not a time of possession guy. I'm a points guy. Um, but there is some merit the way that Penn state lacks the ability to go out and score big points on big plays. Um, they have to adapt and they have to change the, the way that they're doing things. Yeah. It's, it, it works together, right? Uh, Penn state defensively was not able to get off the field on third and short last week. Right, not that not that Michigan was in a ton of third and short situations I mean, or in a down, ton of well, third down in general because they all like they were went ten of 16, 10 or fifteen, ten of sixteen, and most of those were third and six and shorter, which is yeah. not technically third and short, but they only had three plays that was third and double digits. So yeah. this is a, I mean, this is a schedule problem, a scheduling. Well, problem. well, and 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 look, right, surprise, surprise. Do you know who has the nation's number one third down conversion percentage? Is it Miami of Ohio? It's not. Guess okay. again. I'll give you two guesses. It's probably Minnesota. It is Minnesota. Yeah, it is Minnesota. And so for a Penn State defense that could not get off the field when it did have opportunities last week because they got run over, these were not passing conversions for the most part for Michigan. They were able to 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 pick them up on the ground. That that becomes huge. Right? <laughs> is finding the ability to get off the field because. There was another element of that Michigan game that I think rings particularly true for Penn State's offense, which is they need chances. Penn State needs to have, they need to possess the ball, not for long periods of time, but just, just to have it, right? Like Penn State only had eight or nine possessions in that game last week. It was, it was uncanny, right? Like, and obviously a defensive touchdown in the first half changes that a little bit, but I'm just saying with with the way that Penn State is inconsistent from series to series offensively, it hurts them. It hurts, it hurts them to hurts not me. have the ball. <laughs> it hurts us. It's yeah. uh it's not fun. Not fun. Yeah. So so no. So I mean that that just look like I I'll be brutally honest with Penn State fans that are watching this. Um, you know, it, it might seem like an unranked Minnesota team coming to Penn State. Ah, this is a game that Penn State should win. This is a game that Penn State should win. They're not going to do it on reputation. And you can look at the numbers and make some arguments that that some of Minnesota's numbers are inflated by some of the comp uh, the competition that they faced earlier in the season. But almost to a T, the stats that are Penn State's weaknesses are the stats or areas of the game that are Minnesota's strength. Right. And so Penn, Penn State's going to have to figure it out. They're going to have to figure out the things that they couldn't last week and perform better. And, and it, again, it might be as simple as rising to the occasion when, you know, if it's a, if it's a Minnesota possession and you know that it's going to be 10, 11 plays for them to work themselves down the field, when you get that third down chance defensively, you got to make a stop. And, you know, it's going to be very, very interesting to see if Penn State's able to do that this week where they weren't last week. And and they, T. Frank says, be in your 
bleeping gap. Yes, that's true. Um, but you look at the stats for for Minnesota, and they ran 57 times against New Mexico State. Okay, you blew them out. Same with Western Illinois, 52 times. My buffs of Colorado, 52 times. And they just absolutely mauled these teams. Did the same for Michigan State, 48 times, 240 yards and a touchdown. Against Purdue, they ran it 26 times for 47 yards. Against Illinois, 24 times for 142 yards. So to me, you get them behind a little bit. And, and we know this from Kirk Sharaka coaching here, coaching at Minnesota in the past, coaching Minnesota this year. You get behind, it's tough for them to, to, to score points and uh, you know pile up points quickly. Um, so I think that that's the, the key is you got to come out, you got to start fast. Um, you know, start all, all things that we've talked about before, um, get an early score or two in and, and, you know, you settle yourself down and, and you can prepare for, uh, to, to try and tee off on a quarterback. I, I will say also impressive for Minnesota is they are second in the league in sacks allowed in six games, uh, just six sacks. So it hasn't been easy to get to the quarterback, um, for them. And, but, but the flip side of that is they're also bad at getting to the quarterback. They have nine sacks as a team in six, uh, in six games this year. So, I don't think that pressure is the way to do this, but um, execution, as T. Frank says, be in your bleeping gap. Um, the, these are the, these are the things that come down, and if you get on them early, you have an opportunity to to sort of twist that knife. Anything stand out on the other side of the ball for you about this Minnesota team? They did give up 252 yards rushing last week, so Penn State's not alone in in bigging in giving up chunks. And Illinois wants to do to everyone what Michigan did to Penn State last week. Yep. Um, they want to run the ball as much as possible. Um, so maybe you have that opportunity to shake loose. I'll be interested to see the the running back usage for Penn State this week. Um, and and also on top of that, building from that, interested to see them using Nick Singleton a little bit more as a uh, as a receiver out of the backfield. I know he had the big drop last week, but I loved that call. It got whistled uh, for the pass interference, which was the right call uh, of Tyler Warren. Things like that, just working him out of the backfield. You just got to get that kid away from the center. You know, I think Michigan, uh, excuse me, I think Minnesota wants to play this game as close to the snap as possible. And I, what I mean by that is just just make the field uh, between the hashes. And Penn State's got to got to dominate outside the hashes. They've got athleticism on the side. They need to make those catches. We saw Trey Wallace make those catches last week, or make that catch last week. They need yep. to have those guys step up outside the hashes and that includes the running backs. And I don't know if this is crazy or not, but that includes the tight ends as well. Haven't been used. What's, what's your read? What do you, what do you make of it? What's my read? I I don't know. Mike Yersich has never used tight ends and you thought that by bringing him here, he would adapt and use the talent that is his disposal. I think we've seen the talent. Brenton strange has been terrific at times. Um, But, but it's not only that, it's not just sending a tight end down the seam. It's, that fourth down last week uh, where they threw Parker Washington, just a little stick route. That was Pat Fryermuth's thing, uh, was getting him seven, eight yards, just having him sit there and complete and sort of rinse and repeat. And Sean Clifford can make those throws. I mean, then that's really, that's that's been the frustration with watching those tight ends is, is you see the talent bubbling through and they, they, they weren't as, as effusive as they were last year, but, Give these guys a chance, man. I mean, give, give these guys a chance to uh, to work off of of each other, work off of the different personnel groupings that they're in. And I think that's probably been one of the frustrating things to see because Brenton Strange, as we mentioned, and we joke about Brenton Strange falling forward all the time. I watched that uh, that touchdown against Purdue earlier where it seems like he fell for 40 yards. I mean, that's, that's, that's a guy that moves his sticks for you. And when you're talking time of possession, when you're talking your ability to stay, uh, to keep your defense off the field, doesn't always have to be the big one. 
Uh, yeah. Last last thoughts. What what, uh, what 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 do you make of this game? What do you think uh, Penn State's doing um, to resolve its issues uh, from last week? And then we can uh, get into the final scores predictions. Yeah, it's got to be communication. It's got to be communication on defense. Manny Diaz. Um, you know, I'd love to see them come out and play cover zero, and I don't think those receivers are are going to beat you load the box, do all the things you need to do to improve your numbers equation in the box. And um, don't, uh, don't sit back and, and wait for it to, to, to come to you. I mean, that's uh, the best I can say with this group is it looked like Penn state thought that, you know, uh, that, that doing their thing, they would eventually Minnesota or excuse me, Michigan would fall into that. They certainly didn't. They fell 60 yards in the other direction. So I, I think uh, a little bit of the aggressive nature that we talk about on the defense they could certainly use that front and and we'll see what happens like another key game for the mike linebacker which was not good last week uh when we said that uh for the michigan game uh another key game for safeties and run support jair brown things like that um and uh those linebackers need to everybody needs to be better i mean it's not not crazy analysis or anything like that i've been state winning um i think they're the more talented team um i think that you can get after the quarterback, no matter who after, who who it is, not so much a pass rush, but in a situational uh, offense, make him throw a third and ten, make him try and um, convert those third and longs, because I don't think he's at the level that some of these uh, the, some of the quarterback Penn State has played already, and that's not a compliment to anybody that Penn State uh, played to, to date this year. This is just a it's just a reality of the situation. So I'm curious to see this. Uh, I have Penn State winning twenty to seventeen. Um, special teams important, but. Hey, if you get up on them early, you've got uh, you've got a shot to to do some things and and keep the ball out of Minnesota's offense's hand. Make them run thirty times instead of fifty times, and and that's a good uh, that's a good equation for Penn State to come out with a win. Yeah, I uh, I'm maybe more reticent than than even like I very strongly considered uh, a Minnesota win. I don't like Minnesota's passing number like I don't like that imbalance and I think the teams that are one-dimensional Penn State has typically done fairly well against defensively because that was you know it gets overlooked a little bit but Michigan was passing the ball very effectively in the first half of that game last week right and so a lot of the conversation afterwards was oh well how can Penn State be so unprepared uh, to handle the run you know that Michigan's going to run well they were getting picked apart through the air too especially on some some very key uh, types of plays so yeah, so no, the fact that the fact that Minnesota hasn't been able to do that or establish that with much proficiency this year, uh, you know, I, I think that that gives Penn State defensively at least a little bit, um, you know, of a boost uh, right going into this game. Uh, I have Penn State winning twenty three to nineteen. I think it's going to be ugly. I think that Penn State fans are going to be disgusted even after a, a potential win uh, on, on national television and under the whiteout conditions because the, the Penn State's offense, right? They just, I, yeah. I, I don't, I don't see, and, and I could be wrong about this, but this Minnesota defense does not present to me that great. When, when Purdue scores 20 points, right? When, when Illinois scores 24 points, um, you know, those are some teams, certainly Purdue, uh, that's their identity is being able to put up some points. Uh, you know, it, it just stands to reason that that's the type of game that this is going to be where even if Penn state does have a little bit more success offensively, it's not going to feel like the breakout that they need 
which extends this streak, right? You're talking about more than a month now since that Auburn game when Penn State's offense was really clicking. So, well, uh, even, like even if they score 31 points, you're going to look at it and say, no, oh, it's Minnesota. You know, it's not right. the it's not the game prior to this. It's not the game the next game. So, I, I don't think it's a, a situation where you're considering it a breakout or things like that. I think Minnesota is a good defense. Joe Rossi does a fantastic job. Um, totally. I think it's a good defense. I think that Minnesota, they're, they'll get chunks of yardage on the ground, and that'll be frustrating for people to watch as well. But it goes back, if we're going to compare it to Illinois, it goes back to keep them out of the end zone. And that's uh, they're, they're not particularly great in the red zone. They're not particularly great uh, in the kicking game in terms of uh, punting and things like that. So those little windows, those key windows that we te- that we tend to overlook sometimes is, is spots where Penn State can have an advantage. Yep. Yep. That's all I got. I think that's all you got. Make sure if you're watching this that you subscribe. First and foremost, $1. Again, that's a, a deal that is ending, I believe, on Friday. So please, 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 if you haven't joined us yet, uh, th- th- take take the jump. Take that $1 leap of faith. Uh, I can assure you it is well worth it. If you're watching this on YouTube, hit like, uh, hit subscribe, uh, hit notifications. If you're listening on a podcast, it would do us a huge favor uh, if you actually wrote out uh, or just reviewed us, right? Just just give us give us that review. Uh, any feedback that you guys provide is always warranted uh, and listened to and considered. So as always, we appreciate uh, everybody who's listened to this show. We will see you again uh, really late on Saturday night, maybe Sunday morning, um, <laughs> with our post-game analysis. Uh, I'm Nate Bauer. That's Sean Fitz. This is the Blue White Illustrated Daily Edition. Hello, it is Ryan, and I was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on Chumbacasino.com. I looked over at the person sitting next to me, and you know what they were doing? They were also playing Chumba Casino. Coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba Casino is home to hundreds of casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere, even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at Chumbacasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's Chumbacasino.com and live the Chumba life. No purchase necessary. BGW. Void. we prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus.